and I was around. I felt like I was part of an urban youth program, like you know <laughs> where you like bus kids in and like from the inner city and be like, look at where you can be. I felt like that kid in the middle of these jobs or these these environments. It, it's it's tough. I mean, because you want to be able to fit in. You want to, and there's a lot of stuff, interests, hobbies, etc. That I hadn't. I, I didn't live that. It wasn't my interest, and and so it's trying to find those common things that that yeah. makes me connect with folks. And that's that's where people get lost sometimes. I think you know. Yeah. Mi gente, dímelo. What up? What up? Hello, que. Welcome to another episode of the Quien Do It Is podcast, brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel, bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. As a quick reminder, on this podcast, our mission is to redefine professionalism. So every week we have a new guest join us for a vulnerable conversation around the conflict that they have experienced between professionalism and authenticity. Speaking of guests, the clip that you heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Jose Abreu. Before getting into this dope conversation, let me give you a quick bio on Jose so that you have more context going into the conversation. Jose is a vice president of digital strategies for Sony Music Entertainment's U.S. Hispanic, Latin American, and Iberian region. He works with some of the largest digital service providers in the world, including, you guessed it, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Apple. His expertise revolves around the world of digital media, content distribution, and audience development. Now that you have a little bit more context into who Jose is, let's get right into the episode. Let's start where we always start off with the word authenticity. It's such a buzzword. Everyone says it. When you hear the word, though, what does it mean to you? It's just about being your real self. You know what I mean? Just being as grounded to what is important to you, what your values are that represent, what you want to put out in the world as a, as a person in terms of whether it's verbally or visually, right? Like all those things that it represents who you are and, and, and and that it, it's as real to your soul as, as you know, like, you know, religion. <laughs> <laughs> Verbally or visually. I, I like that you mentioned that too, because I think authenticity is, is, I mean, obviously it's a buzzword, but I feel like people typically only think about like aesthetically, like how people look, but there's so many different facets to it, right? Um, and I'd be interested to know, like when you were growing up, mad Latino families, they have like a certain expectation on who we should be. I'm wondering, like, yeah. what sort of pressure did you face early on around, like, what people t- were telling you should be or should look like? My parents, both are from the Dominican Republic, um, came here, you know, with the American dream, like every other immigrant. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's a Dominican thing. I, I definitely, I know it's a Latin thing. But it, it's always funny where, like, I'll give you the best example. It don't matter if you're going to a supermarket or to the dentist or whatever, you got to look sharp. <laughs> yeah. It's like the button down. You're going to the dentist, put on your button down. And it's like, but I'm going to the dentist. What do I do? It's like, it, it was always, um, the expectation was always one, dress the part, right? Make sure you look sharp. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, the other thing was, you know, the stable careers, like, you know, be a doctor, be an engineer, be that something that is, that that is um that's stable that's respected in terms of society and so that for me was always the pressure you know my father god bless rest his soul um you know he worked 30 years in a factory you know what i'm saying and i worked with him once and 
he wanted just you know his kids to to progress and have better options more things than himself so for him and and from my mom they both wanted it for the right reasons and usually you just look at what is kind of the 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 cookie cutter ideal vision of what is a successful person right oh it's they look like this they wear suits and you know they're clean cut and and they have their doctors and lawyers and all that stuff and that's you know that's they they didn't experience it so they just look at what's on on paper right and that was my experience that was always the pressure growing up whether for myself for my sister or even my family you know I remember, uh, well, it's funny because even going to the airport now, like I'm trying to dress as comfortable as possible. Like I'll probably even, like I'm throwing sneakers and some sort of like gym clothes, right? But I remember growing up, like I used to even like dress up as a family, like to go to the airport. Yep. That was for you too? Yeah, I, I'm telling <laughs> you everywhere. It didn't matter. It's just like, uh, excuse me, where are you going like that? Like your shirt's not <laughs> ironed. It Even to this day, I joke with people because I'll go, I, I was traveling. And there was one time I went to a country and they didn't have a, a, an iron in the hotel. And I was like, oh, hell no, I am never going to experience this again. I bought a little mini trans <laughs> iron because I was like, anywhere I go, I got an iron and I'm sitting there ironing everything because it, that's instilled from like as a kid. Like you don't go anywhere that your stuff is not fresh, sharp, clean. And 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 I was always a pressure, whether it was the airport um whether it was the dentist the supermarket wherever it did not matter but it is funny too because i think it, when you were saying your your story it reminded me of because i think it's also a generational thing right if you think of like some of the older let's call them execs right senior execs they're always dressed in suits mm -hmm. and the airport i'm like man you look so uncomfortable Yo, yeah, I know. I, I'm you just know? remembering that it's been a while since I've done like business travel, but yeah, I see the same thing. Like when yeah. you get on a plane and you walk past first class, everybody in first class is like typically wearing some sort of like business attire. Exactly, and I remember somebody, you know, uh, had told me, "Well, you know, make sure that you have a jacket, look, look sharp, because it's a networking opportunity as well." And they always want to, they always make sure that you know you want to be represent, like representable, right? And I was like, okay. Yeah. But honestly, I'm like you. I'm like, yo, chancletas, sweats. I'm trying to be comfortable. <laughs> but, you know? yeah. So, all right, so tell me about, that's the advice that you're getting from your family. And I got the same thing. Like, my grandfather would be like, well, do you see presidents with beards and do-rags and earrings, tattoos? No, do the same thing, right? Um, but then, I mean, just like you, like, I grew up on the East Coast. You in Jersey. I was in New York. Um, and hip-hop was very prevalent when you were growing up and and I don't know if it was like this for you but like I remember there was a point where like I wanted waves in my hair so bad I bought a do-rag and the rule like I, it was kind of like a negotiation like I was like you abuelo I I'm aware this only in the house I right? we good we good he like yeah, you better not wear that outside and I had to like sneak it out kind of thing but like I wanted the earrings I wanted the do-rag I wanted the baggy clothes like what was that like did you also have to go through like a negotiation at home I'm a, uh, yes, a hundred percent. And it's funny too because it's there, there's a couple topics. So it's culturally, I think as there's this part where that that could go into another separate topic, but mm. I'll still throw it out here. This notion of even being this color, right? We're brown. Um, got cousins that are that are much darker. We're obviously, you know, um, African descent, right? Mm. There's mix of that's in us, but we don't identify so much. We don't, we don't identify. We identify with our European heritage 
And yeah. so for me, being an American born here where you're like mixed in, and especially growing up, you're around my age too. Like I grew up around the golden age of hip hop and you're in, you're in Jersey, New York and that whole area. Like there's no way that that stuff is not going to influence you to some extent. And I, I sucked it all up. That was me. I was all about hip hop, R&B and a mix of tropical, bachata, meeting, all that stuff. But you would see, I dressed, dressed like, the, like part of the culture. I, um, you know, it, it was all influenced. And for my family, it was like, oh yeah, what are you doing? Why are you dressing like that? What do you think you are? You're not black in this. I'm like, it's not a, it's not a race thing. It's a culture thing. It's just hip hop or whatever. And, and this is how I dress. This is what I like. So I always had that struggle with my family because they just saw it as like something that you're not supposed to dress like that, right? Earrings, tattoos. I don't know about you. Like, like I remember, I'll give you two stories. That were, one of them is, is hilarious and, and, it, and refer, it goes with the, the Bible. I'll, 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 that will be the last one. But the first one, um, tattoos. Like, I don't know why there was this, always this thing. And it was my father and it was my father wasn't the only person that said that, like, I think at 17, I got my first tattoo. Like I snuck it, you know, like me and my boy went and we got a tattoo somewhere. It was, it was terrible because we got in somebody's house. <laughs> it's bad. I, I definitely don't recommend that to anybody. Save up the money and go to a proper place. But what um, was it? What did you get? <laughs> I wanted to get a dragon. Okay. I like, okay. Oh. And I couldn't afford it, like a nice cool dragon. So I got like the little Mortal Kombat <laughs> logo. <laughs> It was like low budget dragon, but I remember I snuck it. I, I, I hid that from my family for, I don't know how long. And then eventually I was just like, you know what? I can't do this. And then I just showed it to my father and he freaked out. He's like, how can you do that to yourself? Now you're tagged. Like now the police can, you know, are, are, are going to be able to identify you. And I was like, dad, like, I'm not planning to rob a bank anytime soon. Like, you know, what, what's the problem? You know? It, but it's a cultural thing because I know that it wasn't just him. I, a lot of family would be like, oh, you're tagging yourself. It was kind of like you're leaving these personal marks that somehow are like, you know, I'm John Bourne and I'm going to be like, you know, noted on the computers when I go to another country or something like that. But anyways, that was one. And then the other one, which was an earring. I was a, I, I was a bit rebellious. I got my I got an earring when I was 13. Did you um, get both of them? Did you get one? I, I just got one. You know, because yeah. at first I, it was like, just get the, yeah. That was, that was the thing back in the day. It was like, yo, but you got to get one of them because if you get two and, and it, it, it was it like the left or the, the right that you had left. to get. Yeah. Okay. It was the left. I, I was, I was, I didn't get, I never got a tattoo or the earrings because I got that same feedback from you, but I was just terrified. So I didn't do any of it. <laughs> I, so, so this is how I did it. Um, I was like, you know, I'm getting a, I'm going to get an earring. I'm, you know, I got the one on the left, right though, whatever. And then I go to my family. I was like, I want to get an earring. And I said, like, what are you, crazy? You can't have an earring and everything. And at that time, my mom is a Jehovah Witness, right? She still mm -hmm. is to this day. Um, very religious, um, reads the Bible. And, you know, she used to try to teach me on the low, the Bible, because my father was not a Jehovah Witness at all. He was anti, which is, that makes a house, an interesting household. Another topic for another time. But, um, but so, you know, I, I would study the Bible with her sometimes. And I remember there was some some phrase in, in, and some stories in the Bible where the Israelites, you know, like at some point, like when Moses or whatever, um, they start throwing in their earrings and all their jewelry into this like thing to burn it or whatever, because whatever is happening. 
And so I remember one time, you know, I was like, oh, how can my mom saying, how can you do that? You can't wear that. And I was like, mom, you know, um, the Israelites, the men had earrings, you know, and if the people of God can have earrings, why can I? Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, from no, an early age, a, a marketer from an early age. Look at this. She did not dude. say nothing. What could she say? I told her, like, if the children of God can have <laughs> earrings, well, how come I can't have an earring? <laughs> Diablo. Only, only in Dominicano, only. Un invento. <laughs> Un invento, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, but but it, it's funny, too, because even when you got your first tattoo... Right, you got it in in a place where it wasn't necessarily visible, right? right? And even now, like you have tattoos on both arms, but it's like it's from the elbow up, right? Like, were you also intentional, like as as you got more ink about like, well, one day I'm gonna have to go to work and wear a button up or something like that? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, right now my tats are gold, you know, past the elbow, so I have like one on the forearm, on and each forearm I do. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I got comfortable over time. I was just like, you know what? Um, but yeah, it was always intentional, like in places where I can hide it, because I was just like in my mind, it was, and I think it's also with time, it's been a lot more open, because mm -hmm. I don't think like, you know, twenty years ago. Um, yeah. you know tattoos and all that stuff was so prevalent and so acceptable in in the jobs you know in jobs and businesses etc it's still so, it's yeah. like mm. 100% yeah and some industries is still very much looked at like you know frowned upon and so yeah I did I was very intentional saying you know what I, I'm gonna be myself but then if and when I have to kind of hide it then at least I have the option, right? I can wear, I can wear like a long sleeve or I can roll it up and still have a little bit of flexibility. Um, I, even to this day, I would say I wouldn't, I would never consider getting something on my neck or anything like that. Cause it's just um, not that one, I don't like it. It doesn't feel like it's something cool for me, but like for, but there's still a little bit of that, that at some point, you know, I want to have the option, you know, that, you know, that if I need to kind of keep it, keep it clean that I, I still have that option whether I like it or not you know what I'm saying because I think sometimes the way I always look at it is I want to be in control and have the choice of whether I want to do something or not um, versus just accepting some rule right but, but at the same time sometimes there's going to be things that are a little bit the best way I could say is sometimes there's calculated risk right like yeah. you might go like if you know you're going to a specific place where is that's just kind of the the norms then you know i'm probably be a little more self-conscious be like you know what this first instance i'll probably keep it clean and then little by little just open it up so i you know but i at least want to have that option i don't know if that makes sense yeah that makes sense in certain parts of your either academic or professional career you, you're put in situations where where like people don't necessarily look like you right was that was it in school where you first started being placed in environments with people that don't look like you i'm assuming even you, even before you got your mba at, at nyu was that was that a thing an experience the, once i started going to college and getting my undergrad that was my first experience and even that was you know still limiting in the sense like it wasn't as 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 like out there exposed so there was a school environment but then there was also the internships and everything that you start doing those things that's where i really felt it i was like oh i'm a fish out of water like i'm like where the fuck am i right now 
but it started with the university because when I went to high school, it was, you know, I, I grew up in, in uh, Jersey City, Union City area, and it was all primarily, you know, um, Hispanics, Blacks, right, like all minorities. And so everybody looked like you and when you went to school, even when, because I, I, I graduated high school as, um, as a salutatorian, as number two, I had a lot of options of universities and schools. But I remember this, and it was a very ignorant thing for me to say, but, you know, it was more of, I, I'm looking at it now from a perspective of like where I was at that time was I said to myself, I didn't want to go to like some big university where it was going to be a bunch, a bunch of white people and everything, because mm -hmm. I felt like I was going to be so uncomfortable and out of place. So I wanted to be at least in certain locations, cities where there was some level of mix, not knowing that the reality is that the numbers are, are the statistics are that we are a minority wherever we go. <laughs> You know, yeah, like any school, every school is a predominantly school. white school. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, um, but in my mind, I, I, I kind of was trying to like limit the, the options to that. So, but when I went to, uh, I went to NGIT for my undergrad in, in Newark and, and, and yeah, it was cool. I, I still had my circles. They were still able to, to connect with people, but you get exposed to a lot of different cultures. That was my real first exposure to like, you know, Asians and white people, like at a, at a much grander level and where you really start to recognize and see yourself and like, oh man, I am, I am just one of 10 people in this room, one of 20, you know, and, 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 and it starts, it, it, it makes you feel something, right? Like you, you do get self-conscious, right? Because it's, it's that, it's that, that's one of my first experiences be like, I, I didn't see anybody that looked like me. Then I got self-conscious, like, man, how do I talk? Like, like, I don't want to look weird or sound stupid or, or anything because you see how people talk they're, they're like even things like their accents and the, the words they use. And so all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you kind of start to like, because it's just human nature, you try to fit into the, to the environment that you're in. Definitely felt that in school, definitely even more so felt it when I started doing internships and going and having a little bit of a taste of corporate America. Cause I started off, I did out pure tech, um, I, my my first internships were in IBM, where at uh like I went to Raleigh in North Carolina. Yeah. So imagine that I was in the South. Because you were an engineer, um, by, by an engineer. you were training training and studying to be an engineer. I was training and studying to be an engineer. I did computer programming, so I was in all these environments where it was just, I went to like um, Bell Labs, which was uh, yeah yeah you know, I was there in Pennsylvania, and I also I felt like I was part of an urban youth program. Like, you know, where you like bus kids in and like from the inner city and be like, look at where you can be. I felt like that kid in the middle of these jobs or these these environments. It, it's it's tough. I mean, because you want to be able to fit in. You want to. And there's a lot of stuff, interests, hobbies, et cetera, that I hadn't I, I didn't live that. It wasn't my interest. And, and so it's trying to find those common things that, that yeah. makes me connect with folks. And that's, that's where people get lost sometimes, I think, you know? Yeah. But is it, isn't it wild to think about, like, you looking back at that experience, like, you graduated top of your class. And I don't care where you went to school. Graduating top of your class anywhere, that is a, that's a feat, right? And even you, like, I'm impressed by anybody that's in, that studies, like, anything that technical, mathematical like that shit is hard i mean no shade yeah. to like any other majors but there's some majors i look at i'm like i but like yo that <laughs> like you're taking some tough courses and 
then to be placed in these situations i mean you think about a company like ibm even now like i mean that company's been around for fucking hundreds of years that's like that is like a shiny gold star when you think about potential tech companies that you can work for right so like i could see the pressure though like even though like you were top of your class now you're placed in these positions where you're kind of like auditioning for like maybe a full-time role in the future so there's a lot of pressure on you on like, yo, I better do well because this might hit, this might impact my bag when I graduate, right? So even for you feeling a little bit insecure, like in what ways did you potentially start to assimilate or maybe hide parts of who you were? Like what ways did your identity start to shift a little bit? It first, it starts with those nonverbal cues, right? Like, because, you know, you go... Like any situation, right? You're the new person somewhere. You don't know anybody. You might not even talk to anybody because you might, like, depending on who you are as a personality, you might be shy and a little bit. So you have to be able to. Is that you, by the way? Are you a little bit more introverted? No, I think it depends. It depends on the circumstances. I would, if anybody was to, like, if you were to ask somebody, oh, how's Jose? I was like, oh, no, he's a a show. (laughs) That's what they'll say. (laughs) I, I sometimes I'll disagree sometimes with them because I'm like, I'm not like the show in the beginning. I'm kind of, I want to look at the environment first. And then when I see like, okay, here's a show. But, um, <laughs> but like in these circumstances, you, you know, like you, you go in, you don't know anybody. And so you want to be able to communicate non-verbally. And what's the first way you do that? Your clothes, how you dress, how you look. And yeah. so in some instances, I mean, it was just the norm, like, you know, some of these work jobs, especially at, at that time, they had kind of some dress codes, right? Like slacks and a polo tucked in and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I dressed apart, right? Um, there was no other option. Not like they, like you couldn't just go in with a t-shirt and jeans and sneakers. Like that wasn't acceptable. Nobody was dressing like that. And so that's the first way. And so... You know, that's clothes that I was not used to wearing. Mm-hmm. I, I had to buy clothes, you know what I mean? Like, just like a lot of friends that, you know, work in finance or industries that they have to wear suits, they start buying their first suits. And all of a sudden, these are some of my friends that have like 20 suits. And and because the job, you know, uh, drove that. And then and then the next phase in is like, okay, once you start seeing certain people or, or whether it's your direct team or others, then you sit down, you start meeting them. You try to find ways to connect and see like, okay, what do we have that's common? Whether it's maybe where we're from, what kind of, I think for the most part, most people, especially, uh, and, and this is going to sound, you know, a little biased, but like men will, you know, talk about sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which All is awkward for women when they're placed in those situations because they don't necessarily, and then for them, they got to find another commonality. But I feel like sports is always like, the the common ground where people always like just start bonding and stuff 100 percent. and 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 i would say not imagining for a woman like you know the, uh, it's not perceived that they're like into sports like basketball or football and yes it's sports men and women enjoy you know those sports but so mm-hmm. men won't necessarily engage with a woman and be like oh did you follow this and so it's weird it's these social kind of like rules but yeah it's like sports and these conversations and then when it came to those com- those topics that had nothing to do, I had no clue about, I just had nothing to say. And then all of a sudden you become that kind of like, you know, staying quiet. But yeah. after a while, I'd be like, no, I, I don't, I've never played 
golf or I don't, you know, no, I've never gone fishing. No, I've never done any of those things. And, and then little by little, you know, you start to get exposed to some of those things and, um, but you still always feel a bit awkward, right? Because it's not, mm-hmm. not, not just because you, you've never done them and you don't, it's not like something you, some things you might actually do for the first time. You're like, I like this. This is cool. Some other things you'll be like, man, it's not really me, but you kind of go with the flow, but you still some way feel uncomfortable, right? Like yeah. there's this little like internal, like if you had to describe it, like there's a little bit of tense, you feel tense. Yeah. That's, that's the only thing that I can describe is like, how did you feel in those environments? You, you, your body feels a little tense. And yeah. so you see some, you know, you see the person that looks like you across the room and you give them that nod. Give them that nod. Back. You know what it is, right? Like you see, you see each other and you know, like, yeah, I see you and you, you in the same space as me right now. Yeah. Like, it's like from, from afar. <laughs> yeah. But, the, um, the head, the head nod is, uh, I, like, you don't even got to, you don't even got to say anything. Like everybody knows the head nod and what it means. Uh, it's interesting too. Cause I, I agree. Right. Like, I always say there's nothing wrong with expanding your preferences, right? I think the problem lies when you try it, you don't like it, and you feel the need to continue only to be accepted, right? Like, yep. for example, um, I love Seinfeld. And maybe that's a New York thing. Maybe that's just like, but like, that was something that I didn't necessarily grow up watching, but people always talk about. It. I'm like, oh, let me check it out. I was like, oh, shit, it's funny. Um, Brussels sprouts? Love Brussels sprouts. I never ate Brussels sprouts growing up, but people at work talking about it or like I had it at a dinner, love Brussels sprouts, right? But then there's other shit like, uh, like I used to binge watch shows that I didn't like, like Riverdale, for example, because my team liked it. Yeah. But the only reason I was watching it is so that when they talk about it at like a work dinner, I could jump in on the conversation because that's how you build relationships, right? But it, it's an interesting mix to your point around like, yeah, like try everything or, you know, don't. But like, if you like it, keep fucking with it if you don't that's the problem like <laughs> did you find anything that you did you find yourself trying anything you were like yo this ain't this ain't that bad before jose answers that question let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor covid19 moves fast and now you can too if you feel symptoms even if they're mild you should test fast test positive and at high risk for severe covid19 then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at treatcv19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. It's Even to this day, it's always funny because as soon as I say, you know, I'm like, yep, facts. I eat, I love steaks that are medium rare oh yeah me too yeah <laughs> my mom she's like, like i know i know it's a, it's a sangre yeah yeah a hundred percent it was always a like it was rule it was no you go somewhere it's well done all the way through. it don't matter you're getting a filet mignon it could be a wagyu or whatever the hell beef from anywhere well done please if you saw something bloody like everybody look at you i know you're gonna get sick and then I tried it. And I was like, yo, this is, I was like, where have you been in my life? Like yeah. eating steak like this, this is the way to have steak, sushi, all that stuff. It's just, yeah. like, I didn't grow up eating sushi. That was nothing. Not, I love sushi. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I honestly, it, it's, it's funny too, because I think that, and that's the beauty of diversity. That's the beauty about exposing yourself to new things is that 
you try it, you may never never experience it in your life. You try it, and you're gonna there's gonna be things you love, there's gonna be things you don't love. And over time, your palate kind of gets a lot more diverse. You try, you have a lot more experiences. And you know what becomes interesting and funny is that because I think we talked about it like when we first had our like intro chat, that all of a sudden then you you almost over time feel a little bit out of place in both sides. Yeah. In the sense of like now you you're you've evolved a little bit where like your boys and everybody from where you where you grew up with, they're like, yo, this dude he be eating raw stuff and this. I'm like, yo, who the fuck is this guy now? You know what I'm saying? Like you because you've tried different things and and then and so you come back and they see you a little bit like distant. Um, and then at the same time, where you know, in these other environments where you're like the the one percent or whatever you know yeah they see you you're cool and, they, and you might be the person when they come and ask you those kind of awkward questions but you're still not 100 percent part of it right it's still a, a it's still a, a a that inner circle right i don't care like culturally it's just human nature we're going to gravitate to people that look act sound like us you know what i mean it's it's just in our it's it's just part of human nature but it becomes this weird thing because culturally then all of a sudden you start to mix both worlds and then you kind of feel a bit out of place in both you know what i mean like yeah. you know what i'm saying i don't know if that makes sense but like yeah i mean like as you're as you evolve and you take on new things like the people that you grew up with they'll be like ah but but he's too bougie for us now or like oh he likes things this way or that way that aspect of never feeling accepted at work like that resonates with me as well because I just like you like I was I was changing different parts of my identity because and the idea for me was like oh if I do all this then they'll accept me you know what I mean if I look at the shows that they watch if I change my appearance if I start tucking in my shirts if I start eating what they eat if I start playing golf then they will right but what I found at least and would love to hear if this happened to you is like even with all the showmanship I was still getting the microaggressions. I was still getting the looks. I was still sort of having like racist encounters, right? And that's at the point where I was like, all right, well, if they're not going to accept me, even with me faking it to this extent, I might as well be myself. And that's when I started giving less of a fuck. Did you also find yourself like putting all that work and like not much changing? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I got, I've gone through different phases in my, my life and career where, you know, sometimes you, what's that favorite, like the, the, um, that phrase, the the saying they always try to say, you know, dress for your next your, your yeah. role or whatever. So I used to think, okay, no, I need to dress and look the part, like the the branding, right? Like where it's like you need to brand yourself as someone that looks like this. And you go through those things because for whatever the object, whether it's to like for people to feel accepted, whether it's more to be like for excelling because you're ambitious and you just want to like get the promotion and you think that you got to look like everybody else you do it and I remember doing that and thinking I just felt stupid as fuck I felt so uncomfortable I didn't feel comfortable like I remember like times when I would go into start I, I going through this phase where I was like no I'm gonna wear like my shoes and the fucking button down and I even started wearing like little sports jackets I felt like a dick <laughs> I felt stupid <laughs> And, and 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 granted, you know, like some people will be like, oh, you look sharp today. You know what I mean? Like, like surprise. Oh, look at you. And which made it even more like uncomfortable because I was just trying to like 
because a lot of, I was like overdoing it compared to some other people, right? Because if because sometimes you get this, you almost get this um unconscious pressure that that which is true in many instances that you you can't fuck up in anything. You gotta be like yeah. pristine in these mm-hmm. spaces, right? Like, and, and I don't want to get political, but like think about like an Obama. Obama was like he had to be perfect to to get to the point that he was president. You can't, he, he can't, you can't give not one slight, like any little messed up is like, oh, yep. and that's like that pressure that you get that you feel like sometimes you overcompensate because you get this pressure that you know, I can't, I can't give anybody a, a, a little shed of doubt because you you already have that in your mind that, that you're being seen. You get those microaggressions, you get those things that you say, they're looking at me, whether they say it or not. When you, when did you start? being more of yourself though when you start like giving less of a fuck i would say as when i was younger part of my some of my experiences in high school and all those different things like it, you know like some of the microaggressions that i had growing up pissed me off and made me want to like throw it in people's faces right so i would dress the part and then and then they asked me oh so what do you do? I was like, oh, I, I'm a, you know, I'm an electrical engineer. I do this. And I, oh, shit. You know, that they look at you because they think that, you know, like whatever, that you, you, you're aspiring to be a basketball player or whatever. And then, again, there's nothing wrong with that, but they just put you in a bucket. And so I used to go through that phase of wanting to do that. Um, and, and so when I, my, I, I did that for a while. And then all of a sudden you get this like, frustration and then you start to kind of adjust and then and then you and then it kind of you get frustrated again and then you adjust again so I did a couple of those phases but more recently like once I got into a situation where on paper like you know there was some level of quote-unquote seniority right Mm -hmm. like I had the title and everything I was like I'm just gonna I'm dressing me 100% because it's not just about me it's about also setting an example for people who like we're like me starting in a company and didn't see anybody that looked like them or acted like them. And so for me, I, I also look at it as, as not just for myself, but, but for anybody that looks like me, that they can see someone dressed like me and feel like, okay, cool. I can do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that, that makes sense though. Like the validation in that title is probably good for, for you, but also even your family, like you'd be like, yo, but I'm a, Look at my title, dad, like, or mom or, or family in general, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a VP now, you know what I mean? Um, and then for you as well, you could be like, oh, but like, people report into me, like, I have a certain level of, of influence and, and all of those kind of things. There's, there's like, thinking it of like, okay, now I could do it. And then there's like, the day you did it, right? Like, do you, do you remember, like, one of the first things that you did? Because, like, was it? you know, finally wearing your earrings to work or like finally not tucking your chain or wearing sneakers to work? Like, or did you just do it all at once? Well, it's tough to to answer like in that one because in the sense that, you know, the industry that I work in, it gives me a definitely a a benefit there. Like when I used to work at the, you know, for the Department of Defense, there was no, like, there wasn't a lot of room for that so it was very kind of minimal things that i would do it would be like the earring i always had my earrings that's always been a thing i always had my chain you've i've always always had a chain always had a chain and earrings so but the earrings you always had them i always had them on my chain was like this but you you know like 
So I didn't always have it out, but like I've always had those little subtle details, right? Um, even within these rules. And then, you know, when I got to, you know, part of the, the allure and the sexiness of working in entertainment is that it, it, part of it is that it's a creative industry and, and this rule of no slacks and this, like it kind of goes out the window. You know what I mean? Like you kind of look weird if you're dressed up in polo and I, I, I it's always funny because I see the people that come in interview or their first week into the job and I look at them and I'm, they, they look all dressed and spiffy. I was like, like, well, look around you, give it like another week or two. And then you're soon, you're going to be dressing like the way you want to dress. It's like, you don't, don't, you don't need to dress up all fancy and stuff. That's not the rule. And then that's when you start to kind of, I just started to like dress a hundred percent myself. When I first started this job, you know, entry level into, into, I came in like in meetings. Um, I'm doing a call like this, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like this I was like zero fucks um and so I think over time as you start to kind of get a little bit more thoughtful ambitious of like okay I want to grow or I want to get more position then you start to kind of switch up right because like even even working in music or entertainment there's still some there's still some it's not like like dress codes but there are certain visual cues right based on departments and I'm, I'm on the business side. And so the business side are kind of the suits or the, the, the guys yeah. kind of like that are a little bit more clean cut and everything right. nice. And right. I've always hated that as a, as a, as a brand, like, like, yeah, why can't you be a business person? Why can't you be, and still look like the, you know, like, like the dude that's on the creative department, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like if, right. So with that contrast, though, of you being on the business side and then you trying to embrace more of yourself, did, did you receive any pushback? Sometimes. Sometimes you might get like you might get feedback from from certain people that, you know, especially more older execs and stuff like that. The, the, they mean well, they're, 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 they want to see you grow, progress. They say, listen, you know, I don't think that, you know, you should probably reconsider, you know, these things that you're doing. Uh, your, you know your haircuts or you know the hats or this and you know you respect them you listen to it and and in many instances I would I would listen because it's just like okay they're looking out for me they must be saying it for a reason but then after a while when you sit there and you realize like you like like you mentioned before that um it's not like anything changes it's not like it changes how people you know see you or say things to you or whatever so I was like you know what I'm just gonna be me 100% and I and I did take advantage of the fact that I felt that that certain certain titles positions kind of opens it up even more it became and what I mean by that is all of a sudden if you are in an office you have a, a more senior title and you're dressed different than everybody else it becomes more intriguing to some mm. extent because they say damn this guy's okay, this guy is dressed like that. He must be like fucking, he must be special, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that's the case where everybody's saying that, but to me, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to leverage the branding that the title and the position gives to not only give me a little bit more liberty to just be me, but also set the example for anybody who is starting in the company or in the business that says, hey, look, somebody can be, you know, in a more senior position um, and look, look like me, 
and dress yeah. the way I want. I dress, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, well, I, I think it's yeah. important. I think that's so important what you mentioned a few things, right? It's like, yo, I was working in a very, like, you working for the government, right? Which is like the most traditional, if not finance, of like industries. And you probably looked around and was like, yo, I want to be more comfortable being myself. I think right now, like, tech is having that wave, right? Around like, oh, we'll work in tech. You can be yourself and all those things. But there are other industries like that. But it's important to, to recognize that about yourself. Like if that's something you want to do, then go search for the industries or environments that will make it easier for you to do those things. Right. And I think it's important to recognize that like, it's, it's not as soon as you embrace who you are, it's just going to be like a walk in the park, right? Like you may get some pushback, but it's similar pushback that like my grandfather gave me. And I don't think my grandfather meant any harm by it. him, just like a lot of our superior supervisors or managers, they, they want to protect us, right? And that mm-hmm. they want to protect us based on what they have been taught as well, right? Uh, I also think it's important to recognize that it's not all pushback, though. Like, I'd love to get like a sneak peek behind some of the positivity that, that you probably get. Like, I'm sure people come up to you, whether it be in the office or your colleagues or whatever, and be like, yo, I, I appreciate you being yourself because now I feel a little bit more comfortable since looking at you, I could be like, well, he's doing it, I could do it folks who are starting in the company right and you're again you're coming into this new environment you don't know people you're trying to get a sense of what the rules are those those non-written rules and they've come up to me they're like man you know I, I, it's dope i appreciate you know how you are you're you and because it gives me an opportunity to say i can be myself or that i don't have to lose myself as you as i grow or or the, in, in the company or in in my career that I can I can keep a little bit of myself, and that's to me that that's part of that's part of why I do it. You know, it's not like I it's not it's not intentional. It's not like I have the secret plan. I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. But but more so that it's not just about me anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's also that whether I like it or not, and I do, and I I, I feel so uncomfortable sometimes even when they like the titles and all that stuff because I don't consider myself senior. But on paper, you know, uh, VP is still VP, right? And that that comes with influence, right? Whether you will want it or not, that, that comes with influence. And and for me, I, that influence, I want to make sure that I make good use of it. And one way of making good use is to, to make sure that, that I am representative of where I'm from. I'm representative of, of people that look like me because that just allows others to to see themselves you know what i mean and in in a situation where okay maybe they're maybe they're not there yet but they can they can at least say you know what it's good to see see someone in that kind of position me hand there that wraps up this week's episode of the kinduetas podcast if you enjoyed this episode please do us a favor leave us a rating and a review it just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism thank you and see you next week